Thoughts at Random podcast. This is literally just a random podcast in which I, your lovely host, Amy, will just talk about whatever's on my mind, and it's mainly going to be about pop culture, stuff like YouTube, whatever's going on in the world, or maybe just random thoughts that cross my mind. Hopefully you can relate to them, hopefully you'll want to listen to them, and if not, then just... Hear me tell jokes about stupid crap that you may or may not care about. But I'm going to try to make this appealing. Uh, I do I do talk a lot, so taking up an hour should be pretty easy to do. Um, it is late at night, so that's why it's a little dark. But as things improve, maybe if this podcast goes anywhere, uh, I will be able to relocate into a better space where I can have better lighting and such. But anyway, this is this is where I'm starting. So, one of these days I'll be able to have one of those pictures side by side. You know that trend, I don't want to say it's a meme because I don't think it's a meme, but it's a trend going on right now where like I see it on Twitter. People will be like, they'll have a picture of them when they started something and it'll be like how it started and then there's a picture of them now where they are as the progress they've made and whatever it is they're doing and it'll say how it's going. And I really like that. I, I get jealous of people because a lot of people have changed and done so much over the years while I've done nothing. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say I've done nothing, but I don't know, I guess sometimes those things make you think, you know, like, there's probably something that I could have put up there. I'm sure a lot of us feel that way sometimes, like, oh, I've done nothing, like, when we see people and their progress. I've recently discovered I'm not the only one who feels like they've done nothing with their lives. Lots of people my age apparently feel that way, and, um, I've learned it's normal, and we're all gonna feel that way, but when we get older, we'll probably look back and go, oh, I did so much, or, you know, even if I've done nothing. So even if you feel like you've done nothing, you'll probably think, like, oh, it's normal, you know, I was so young, normally at that age, you don't really have much to do or haven't done much, and you know what, everybody's on a different life path, so it's kind of normal for, you know, in your early 20s to not have really done much. And it's weird because there's people out there that are, like, younger than me by, like, a year, two years, and they're already successful, and just kind of makes you think sometimes. It's like, shit, that person's my age or younger. Why? What am I doing with my life? They're younger than me and they've already got, you know, they're living their best life. They're doing something cool. But, uh, I wouldn't feel too bad. Like I said, everybody's on a different life path. And, uh, I guess it's something we all just have to accept. You know, there's, there's, it could be worse, could be better. You know, it's all a matter of perspective. And bottom line is, if you're young, let's just, let's just all think about this. We're all young. You know, if you're in your 20s, you're young. You know, you got time. We've all got time to think about what we want to do. And if we never find it, you know, then maybe we have found it and just never really realized it. I'm sure a lot of people are living out there going, you know, maybe like, oh, I'm 40-something and I still haven't, still don't know what I want to do with my life. But maybe you're already doing it and you don't even realize it. I don't know. Just putting that out there. Maybe something to think about for any of my older viewers, if any anybody older than me out there watching or listening wherever this is going to be. Um, so yeah. Sorry if I run out of breath. I tend to get like really nervous in front of the camera, so if I seem breathy it's because I'm talking too fast without breathing because I'm trying to get all my thoughts out. Like now. I hate that I do that. I didn't used to do that in front of the camera. I didn't used to do that, period. I guess because I've never really tried. I mean, I've had videos, I've had lots of videos actually that I've never put out because 
I like sit in front of the camera and I'll talk about something and I just think to myself, nobody's gonna care, like this is stupid or I look dumb or I sound dumb or nobody's gonna take this seriously. Um, and, and I'm sorry, but I know a lot of you are going to be like, oh, post it, post it, post it, but no. I just, I, I've learned a long time ago that I'm not really good at expressing my opinions, and that's why I kind of want to stay away from that. I mean, I'll give my opinion on some things, but I'll give my opinions on some things, but not really like anything huge, like politics or anything like that, because I feel like that'll limit my audience, and I don't want my audience to be just people who side with my opinions because I feel like that's not that's not how you grow as a person or you know even just as a person who entertains people I think the more diverse your audience is just you know it opens you up you know I mean if you want to be an entertainer wouldn't you rather have an audience of people from all around the world like if there was would you rather have 10,000 people like a 10,000 a room of 10,000 people that love you that are all diverse that all don't really care about your opinions or anything else. They just care about you as an entertainer. Versus having only 2,000 people who are all just people who are going to be people just like you. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's boring to me. I mean, if you want to do that, fine. You know, I just, I'd rather not be that person. I want to have lots of diverse fans, you know. I don't care if I have fans that disagree with my opinions, you know. I really don't. I don't see the problem with disagreeing with people. And I'm sorry if that upsets people, which I hate that it does, because that's how you don't grow. You know, it's fine to feel the way you feel, but I hate that so many people... This is the one opinion I will say, but I'm not going to get too much into it. I hate that it's gotten to a point where certain people don't accept you for your opinion because it's not theirs. And you know, while I get that we want to have a certain mindset in this country, the U.S., or even in the world, but you can't be toxic about it because I think forcing people into agreeing with you just because you think it's what makes the society better that's forcing them and then putting hatred on them well, I shouldn't say forcing but it feels forceful lately everybody kind of feels forceful about what they want and then if people say I'm sorry I don't want to do that then it's all of a sudden like oh my god you're a bad person I don't want you here nobody wants you here you know you're not worthy Basically being so nasty and being like, oh, I love seeing certain people lose their jobs over being so hateful. And it's like, that's not really right. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying that bad people deserve good things. I'm just saying, I'm, tr I'm sorry, I'm trying to keep it vague because I don't want to point out fingers, okay? And I don't want to make this like too, I don't want to get political. I really don't. I don't want, I just don't want hate. You know, and it seems like no matter what you, well, no matter what side you're on, there's always hate. Whether you're on the side of progressiveness or a side that doesn't seem to be very progressive. Because at this point, I can't really tell which side is actually progressive. Because it seems like everyone is so stuck in their ways that they don't want to change. They just want to be right. That's just my opinion. That's just what I'm seeing, is that everybody has their way of thinking and they don't want to listen to the other side. If the other side says they don't agree, they just want to be like, well, you're just wrong. You're just a horrible person because you don't get it and you'll never get it. But you don't want to educate them. And then, you know, and I've said this on Twitter and people come to me going, well, if they're not willing to be educated, then what's the point? And, you know, part of me is like, they didn't, nobody said they weren't, 
willing to be educated. I don't think it's that they're not willing. I think it's just that, you know, certain things you're not going to see eye to eye. And when you see that and then you tell them, well, you're just a terrible person and nobody wants you here and you're not welcome, then that really puts a person off, you know, because it's like, hey, you know, I wasn't trying to be hateful. I'm just stating my opinion. And some opinions, I will agree, some opinions can be very hateful. Some people can say like, well, I don't think gay people should be married. You know, that's an opinion I don't agree with but I'm not going to hate a person out of existence because they feel that way. I used to do that and I didn't like it. And a lot of people started to get really nasty with me and be like, well, that's wrong. You don't want to stoop to their level. You don't want to be that person. And I don't. Okay? And at the end of the day, I don't really care. If, if you're a person out there watching this and you don't want gay people to get married, that doesn't affect me personally. And I'm sorry if that seems privileged of me. Um, I'm sure it is. But... Okay, I shouldn't go I shouldn't go about it that way. It's not that it doesn't affect me personally. It's more like, how should I put this? It's not it's not me personally because I do I cared for years. I I loved it when it was finally legal in all 50 states for um, LGBT couples to get married. I was very happy. I was fighting for that for years. And I well, I guess I wasn't necessarily fighting. I mean, I was a child, but I was, you know, hoping for it and I was writing, you know, I wrote papers about it in school saying, you know, I just and I would say all the time on social media like I literally don't see why we can't just let gay people get married. Like what's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anybody. You know, and if you don't like it, you can just turn the other cheek and be like, "Okay, live and let live. It ain't me. It ain't my choice. You know, it's their choice and I'm just going to not agree with their choice, but I'm going to live my life and I'm going to let them live theirs." I don't know why people People can't just do that, you know, especially people on the side of progressiveness or whatever you want to call it, because I don't, like I said, I don't really think either side of the political spectrum is necessarily progressive. Um, and I don't want to get into it because that's a whole other, like, conversation in itself, but I just, you know, I'm a person that believes you live and let live, okay? If someone's not actively trying to hurt you, I don't think you should give so much stock to what they're trying to say or do. If they're not actively bothering you or hurting you, then I don't think it really matters. Because I used to, well, I shouldn't say used to, I mean, I can still be this way a little bit, but you know, and I understand when you're in a group of people that you feel automatically gets a lot of flack for just being who you are. I get it. I get that it's horrible that a lot of people don't accept you. But I also like to look at the positives and see how far we've come as a society. I love that nowadays we are more accepting of LGBT people. I love that they can, I, I love that you can get married no matter what kind of sexuality or preference you have. I love that people are more accepting of getting rid of gender roles. That is something that always has bothered me. As a girl who always loves to dress as a boy, who always wanted to present as more masculine, I like that that's becoming more acceptable now because you don't know how many times in my life people bullied me, made fun of me, or told me I was never going to get a boyfriend or never going to get married or I was always going to be ugly. And now here I am. I have a boyfriend now. And um, I've had boyfriends. I've had lots of boyfriends, actually. I probably had like six or seven boyfriends throughout since I was like 15 years old. I don't know. But, you know, and I used to be, I used to believe that I was never going to have a boyfriend. So I get it, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to call them out, I'm not trying to start anything, I'm just kind of saying it matter-of-factly. 
and I've come to peace with it. I forgave them. It doesn't really matter. You know, they think what they think and I'm okay with that. And they're allowed to think what they think, but you know, I'm still going to be me. So that's why I just never really gave much thought to it. But yes, I was so used to after, you know, always being like this, dressing like a guy. I've done it all my life, almost, like, and I mean almost because there were years where I hadn't, but that was not my choice. And once I started doing it, people really gave me flack for it. And I was bullied by a lot of people. Like, people would call me a man, people would tell me I was ugly, and I was just like, you know, it did bother me a little bit after a while because it's like, you know, do I really have to be a guy to wear guys' clothes? Like, I still acknowledged I was a girl. I still acknowledged, you know, that I was biologically a female and that I couldn't change that. And I've told people that, but because I dress like a guy, everybody called me names, told me I was lesbian, you know, just really made fun of me for a lot of things. So I do understand to a point certain LGBTQ people when they don't feel accepted by a group of people or just, you know, if they've been attacked a lot more than what I've experienced, then it definitely can get to you. And I, I get that, but I think we also have to not be so defensive because sometimes people are just going to say what they're going to say and you just got to let it roll off your back. You know, that's why I let it roll off my back. You know, I'm not... And you know what? Even me saying being attacked... Yes, I said I was bullied, but you know what? At the, it, it, there was there were some things that people would just... You know, I literally would just get comments like, you should really dress more feminine. You should really dress more like a girl. And sometimes it would be, like, not really harmful comments. It would just be something, like, that people meant well. Like, some people would say, Amy, you've got a beautiful body. Why don't you show it off more? Or why don't you dress like a girl? You're very beautiful. And I just never really, you know, to me I would get defensive, but because it was like, no, you know, you don't, why do I have to dress like a girl to be beautiful? If I'm already beautiful, why does it matter what I wear? Why does it matter if I have a beautiful body? You know, if you can tell, even though I'm wearing guy clothes, then, you know, then what's the deal? Like, what, what exactly is the goal? So, that is why, you know, I mean, I got tired of it after a while. But, yeah, it, it happens. You're gonna get criticism. And I just think you have to decide for yourself how much of it are you willing to take and how much of it are you willing to let it roll off your back? How much of it are you going to take to heart? And what are you, you know, I think it's all up to you as an individual. But I do think some people really do take everything to heart. And it could be just a small comment. It, and it could be meant well. It could be something someone meant to hurt you. It could be something someone meant to, I don't know, just someone maybe talked to hear their beak flap or whatever, you know? Some people talk just to talk. And maybe that was what someone said to you. And I'm not saying you can't be bothered by that because it is annoying when people say something that's just like, oh, come on, whatever, you know? It's, it, it is annoying. But, you know, I think sometimes you just gotta let it roll off your back. Um, and I'm talking just general, like, comments and people talking to you and, you know, it, and if you get it everywhere, I'm so sorry that that happens to you. But I hope one day you do come to a place where people don't always say stuff like that to you that goes against who you are or that they, or that they make you feel like they don't accept you for who you are because you should be accepted for who you are. You know, if you're gay, you're lesbian, you're bisexual, pansexual, uh, so many other things. Whatever you are, you are accepted, and as long as you're not doing anything really gross or weird like pedophilia or bestiality or anything like that, then I wouldn't worry too much about it. So, 
And then again, there's probably other things about there that I don't even know exist. I don't want to know they exist. But as long as it's not really f***ed up like those two things I mentioned, then I wouldn't really care, you know? That's really all I have to say about that. I don't want to get too much into it, and I'm sorry I did. I kind of did just ramble. <sighs> and I'm out of breath again. <laughs> I really didn't want to make that all about me. I'm kind of sorry I did. But hey, maybe it helps you feel like I relate to you. And if it doesn't, I do apologize. I do just want to relate to people. I do just want to make people feel... I just want to make people feel like they're not alone, you know? I want to make people feel like there's, you know, if, if someone doesn't accept you, then I do. I have usually try to be very accepting of people. So if you're a person that doesn't really feel accepted in the world because you're something that's out of your control, like you're gay, you're transgender, bisexual, lesbian, whatever you are, you're you're welcome here. This is a spot where you can be you. Just please don't be mean to other people. That's all I ask. Don't be mean to other people. Don't attack other people. And I'll make sure nobody attacks you. I can be very defensive of people who usually get bullied. I don't stand for that. I don't like when people are cruel. So, that being said, I'm gonna move on with the topic to something a little more fun. There's something I haven't wanted to talk about, and I think a lot of people would love if I talked about this. Pop culture topic. If you want to simp, if you even like the idea of simping, or you just want to fall in love with someone incredible that you may never see in your life, <laughs> Corpse Husband, alright? I think he's like the hot topic of like this month because I literally, okay get this guys, I didn't know who he was a couple weeks ago until I saw a tweet about him. Someone I follow randomly tweeted and I literally, I'm not even kidding, this was the tweet. The tweet was something along the lines of, is Corpse Husband single asking for a friend? And I had no idea who this person was, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna Google this person and see what this is all about. Who is he? What is he like? And then I found out he's faceless, and I was like, okay, so then what's the deal here? And then I found his channel and his music, and then I heard his voice, and I was like, oh, so that's what it is. <laughs> And I couldn't believe it at first. I'm like, don't tell me, are people really, like, falling in love with this dude over his voice? Like, I like deep voices in men, but I was just like, there's no way. This can't be the reason why people are totally falling. But it was. And I looked all over the place. Like, it just seemed like all of a sudden, like, once I found that tweet, it seemed like it started a boom. Like, everybody was talking about him all of a sudden. And it just felt so weird. Like, that's just how it feels to me personally. Some of you have probably known about him way longer. Some of you probably just heard of him, like, maybe a, a month ago or a week ago or two seconds ago. Who cares? Or maybe you just heard of him now and you have no idea who I'm talking about. Now you're going to go googly-goo him and you're going to be like, Oh, who's Corpse Husband? I must know who this deep-voiced, faceless guy is. And then you're going to be like, Ah. And then the simping begins. Because I've never simped. Well, no, I have simped, but I'm not going to say who, but I've, I don't think I've ever used this term before. I used to hate the word simp, but then Corpse Husband came along, and then suddenly I felt okay to use the word simp, because let's face it, we're all simping over him. Every single person is simping over him. You know, other YouTubers that watch him or know who he is, they're all simping him. They're all like, oh my god, he's amazing. We just love this baby boy so much. And it is just incredible watching him go from, like, this person that I didn't even know who he was before two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden, I, like, love this dude. 
and I just, I want to wish him all the best. I really do. He's a year younger than me. I found that really surprising. I would have thought he was like 27 or something, but no, he's a year younger than me. I'm 24, he's 23, and I was just like, that's cool. Like, he's younger than me, and he's like super successful, and I'm proud of him. There's just so much. Like, you can just tell this dude really, I guess, you know, he's very... I shouldn't say very open because then again I don't really know. I've only watched a little bit of his stuff and the live streams that he's made he does open up about certain things and he has opened up in the past about himself as a person and if you go on YouTube you can find Anthony Padilla interviewed him and a couple other faceless YouTubers and he opens up about himself there um, and the things he's shared as far as I know have been very personal to an extent and he seems to have overcome a lot, and even then, we still don't know, we probably don't even know half the struggles. He probably just barely scratched the surface of like what he's really been through as a person with his, with his anxiety and with just things that he's been through. I'm sorry, I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm trying to word this properly, but basically he's like, you could just tell he's been through a lot, and I relate to him because he's got like, when he said he has, he, his legs shake when he's nervous, you know, I, I had anxiety really bad. I still do, but not really bad anymore. But when I did used to have anxiety when I was a lot younger, I was really bad with legs shaking. And when he said that, I was like, oh, so I'm not the only one who's experienced that. Like, I knew people with anxiety do leg shake or they'll do, like, other mannerisms. Like, they'll bite their nails or pick at their skin, you know. Just there's, there's little tiny mannerisms that people with anxiety... Uh, carry out and it's not always very obvious but you know I used to think that anxiety was just having the panic attacks like I used to have and I didn't realize till much later leg shaking was a part of it but yeah when I heard that I was like oh I, I didn't realize because I didn't really know many people who have anxiety who said they would shake their legs when they were nervous I just knew they would kind of like a lot of people I'm, I've met with anxiety have told me they'll bite their nails that's like a common thing I hear is nail biting or uh, I've seen people like scratch their skin a little bit like if they're itching like they'll get itchy or itchy I don't know how to explain it but I've seen people do it I've done it at times like when I was really little apparently I used to like if I was getting in trouble I'd like find an itch on my body and I'd like scratch my neck or I scratch my eyebrow or scratch my arm because I was nervous so I do relate it is something that a lot of anxious people realize so if you have anxiety and you do something really odd like, well, I shouldn't say odd because it's not so odd just figuring out that people do do these things when they're anxious. It's like, when you start to pick up on that, you're like, oh, you know, that's a symptom of anxiety. That's just something that comes with it is that you'll do something kind of weird. Like, well, not weird, but just something that people without anxiety don't really do. If that's, you know, if that makes any sense. So, I mean, like, if you, like, scratch a lot when you're nervous, or you bite your nails, or your leg shakes, or you tap your fingers on the desk, or you pick at your hair, like, if you have longer hair, maybe you do something like this with your hair. That's all anxiety, or it could be. It could just be, you know, fidgeting. Maybe if you have, like, ADD or ADHD. It's, it's, all, it's all different mannerisms that people have if they're like kind of hyperactive. Anyway, I don't want to sound like an expert on these things because I'm not. Because it could literally just be anything, but I do take that as like something that you do when you're nervous. Like, little things like that. 
So anyway, I was just saying that I relate to Corp's husband on that when he said that it made me feel more real because the kind of anxiety he experiences is similar to what I've experienced in the past and I still go through it. And he just kind of reminded me of how I used to feel and how sometimes I think and then seeing how he handles himself because he's really, really chill. And I don't know, it's like I kind of admire that he's open up he's opened up enough for us to understand that he's been through a lot and that that's why he's kind of closed off and keeps himself private which is totally respectable i completely respect that it's totally fine that he you know it's his life he gets to choose what he wants to do with it it's basically like he just he handles himself so well you know it's not he doesn't overshare he doesn't throw pity parties. And the thing is, that's I, I think about myself and how I've handled my struggles. Because I used to overshare, and sometimes I still do, and I have to catch myself. And I really hate looking back how much I've done it. And to see, you know, and who knows, maybe in real life he's done that. And, you know, we don't know. We wouldn't know unless we knew him personally. But if he has done that, then he's come a long way. Because he doesn't do it publicly, and I really admire that. I really admire that he seems to gain respect from people. Like, you know, people don't just talk over him or walk all over him or insult him or make fun of him or pick on him. They seem to really respect him. They seem to really listen to what he has to say. And it could be because of his voice, but I also think, you know, just because he's just such a nice, genuine person. I think people just really like to talk with him because he's not a clout chaser. He's not a person who's just looking to be famous or looking to be everybody's friend. You know, he's just trying to be a normal dude. And I think that's why people like him so much. Or at least that's what I like him for. I like that he's just a normal guy and that I can relate to him on a different level than other YouTubers. I mean, other YouTubers do open up a lot. Like, other YouTubers have said, oh yeah, I do have anxiety, I do have depression, I do have such and such mental illness or disorder or whatever and you know that's fine I appreciate people opening up because then you you if you have that certain disorder or mental illness or or issue with your life then you can relate and you figure hey I'm not alone after all and this person that I look up to has the same thing they're going through and they can talk about their experience and I can learn from it too it's kinda cool how YouTube brings the world closer to people who are just like them I've always admired that. So, there's that. I was going to talk more about him. I just... If he ever gets to hear this podcast and he's listening to this, dude, if you're out there, I, I want to say mad respect. And I appreciate you not showing your face. Not saying that I don't ever want to see it. We're all curious. I'm not going to lie. We're all curious, but I totally get it if you don't want to do it. Okay? Don't ever feel pressured to show your face. Don't ever feel like you have to be a certain way to please your fans because you don't. You have already gained all of our love, all of our respect. You know, you did that without having to show your face. So I do think if you ever did contemplate and you one day just like, I'm gonna do it today. I'm gonna take a selfie and put it out there and everybody's gonna see it. We would all support you. I would support you personally. I think that and, and I could be wrong, because I'm not you, but um, 
I think you would feel a lot, a lot of relief once you see how many people really truly love you. There was a quote that I heard from Tony Robbins and it was in the movie Shallow How and this quote really, really stands out and it's always stuck with me and it's absolutely 100% true and if you really think about it you can see why it's true. But the quote is, the brain sees what the heart wants it to feel. And that means that the beauty you see in someone's personality or, you know, the inner beauty that you see in a person will manifest itself physically in a person if you really love them. And I think that even if, you know, it's not like, it's not like Corp's husband looks, well, I, I seriously doubt he'd be ugly. I seriously doubt that, you know, it's not like he would look like that thing from the Goonies, the, hey, you guys, you know, it's not like, even if he did, I don't think we'd all just go, oh my god, oh, the, oh god, get it, get it away from us. You know, I don't think we'd ever react like that. I think even if he looked like that, the beauty that we've seen inside him will manifest itself physically. So even if you know, he wasn't the most attractive person in the world. I think because he already has attracted us with his soul, with his heart, with his personality, it's gonna manifest itself physically. So we're gonna find him beautiful no matter what. And I think that's actually even better. I think that's even better than being physically attractive. I mean, it would help to be physically attractive, sure, because then, you know, everybody wants to be told they're physically attractive. It's human nature. But I think it really counts when people, I think people, people's love for a person is more true, I believe, when they are attracted to you for who you are, not for what you look like. And if you just happen to be really attractive, then bonus, but like, I think it really comes from within. For me, I've always been a lover of inner beauty, I've always been an advocate for inner beauty and loving a person for who they are on the inside, not on the outside. And I know it's really cliche and cheesy, but I just prefer it that way. I just think it's easier to see a person for who they are and not just be blinded by how physically beautiful they are. Because it'll save you a lot of heartbreak in the end, you know? In the end, we all want someone who's a really nice person, a really genuine person. We don't want a person who's just a total a-hole or just totally evil on the inside. You know, we, we all naturally like people who are pretty nice or just, you know, easy to deal with, not problematic, not drama queens, people who just can get along with everybody else and just be like, hey, you're cool. You know, just we want someone like that. And I think Corpse is good at doing that. So, dude, if you're out there and you want to show your face, by all means, do it. And don't be afraid. And you know what? Even if there are people out there who think, Oh my god, how hideous, then f*** them. Okay? Because you're a good dude. What I'm about to say here, please don't think that I'm trying to insinuate that youth equals beauty because it's not that way. But because we're you're young, I don't think you can really look that bad. It's not, I don't think you look like Uncle Iroh either. And I'm not saying Uncle Iroh isn't beautiful. We all love Uncle Iroh from the Avatar Last Airbender. Uncle Iroh is beautiful in his own right. We stand. But um, I'm just saying, you, you said you were 23. So I mean, hell, it's, you can't possibly be that bad looking. You know, I seriously doubt that you have any kind of physical, just... I don't. I just don't. Because I don't, like I said, I don't like to call people ugly. I don't believe anyone's really ugly. Even if, you know, 
even if you don't meet the normal beauty standards, so to speak, I don't like saying people are ugly. I don't believe anyone's truly ugly because I've always believed in beauty is in the eye of the beholder and if one person may not be beautiful to someone but someone else might find that person very beautiful. So I don't think anyone's ever really truly ugly. You know, whether even physically, like even if they're a horrible person, I don't even then think they're like truly ugly, like you just have an ugly personality. Like if I see someone abusing a dog or a child, then I'll be like, oh that person's ugly, F that person. I'm just giving words of encouragement. I'm not like trying to put pressure on anything or anyone here, so I just wanted to kind of say that, you know, just, just mad props, mad respect to Corpse Husband. Much love to the dude because I know deep inside you probably don't feel like you deserve this, but please understand that if you didn't deserve this, you wouldn't have it. And yes, I know a lot of people who don't deserve fame have gotten it in the past, but that's different because those people were hiding who they really were, and I don't think you're hiding anything evil. And I just, I just don't believe that. I don't think anybody believes that you could be like an evil person or a bad person. Yeah, I think if anything that's what you should be really worried about is if you were like some kind of evil person. And I don't think you are. I really don't get that vibe from you. And I don't think anyone does. And seeing how people interact with Corpse Husband, you know, like when they, when he streams and he plays Among Us, with like other YouTubers, none of them seem to really like shy away from him. They all seem to interact with him very fluidly and they all seem to really like him. So I mean, if, if you know, even though they can't see him, I really think that, you know, instincts are very powerful things. If anyone in any of those live streams felt even remotely uncomfortable or felt like something was off with the dude, I'm pretty sure it would have shown by now or someone would have spoke up and said, look, I don't know about you, but I just feel like something's off about this dude and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that I can't see him. Maybe it's that I think his voice is too deep and, you know, or, or something stupid. But I don't think he gives off a bad vibe at all. I think, you know, if it were truly that way, I think somebody out there or a couple people out there who interact with him would be like, yeah, something's not right. But nobody has said that. Everybody's genuinely loved him, genuinely wanted to get to know him better. Everyone likes playing Among Us with him. Everyone likes watching him play and everyone compliments him. I see the comments all the time in his videos and in his live streams. People just go hard going like, oh my god, you're so great. We love you. Please don't be sad. We don't care if you how you look. We just want you to be happy. Just be happy. You're so kind. You're so generous. You're so loving. You deserve this. You deserve good in your life. I believe that. I mean, we all do. And I just want to give nothing but love to the dude. He deserves everything good that comes to him. So I really hope that wherever he is right now in his life, dude, I hope you reach for the stars. You're already, you're already close, but you, you're gonna go far and you're gonna have a lot of good things happen. And I truly believe that. So don't give up. Dream big. You're you're in a great spot right now. Don't don't give up. Don't stop. Keep going. Whatever you feel like doing for yourself that you think will help you or help you grow as a YouTuber or even as a person, go for it. Do it. Don't let yourself stop. Sky's the limit, bro. You got this. I really enjoy watching him too. Like I used to really not like listening to scary stories, but every now and then I do. Honestly, I do like creepypastas. Like, I've listened. The only other creepypasta person or narrator or scary storyteller that I've ever, 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 ever listened to. And I've listened to a couple, but the only other person I've listened to tell scary stories is Creeps McPasta. He's like the only narrator for creepypastas I'll listen to, should I ever get in the mood to listen to creepypastas. And then, you know, I discover Corpse Husband, 
and it's like it's so different you know it's like i mean i do still get scared because i can get easily scared sometimes but i've learned to not be so easily scared anymore which is why i challenge myself to listen to creepy bosses every now and then and even when i'm bored or when i you know in this quarantine i got so bored there were times where i'm like give me something really out there wild scary that'll make me want to shit myself and it worked <laughs> well not really i didn't shit myself i'm just saying it got me really scared but, um, <laughs> but I would listen to Corpse tell his scary stories, and I wouldn't even get scared, I would just get intrigued. Well, some did scare me, because some, some of the stories that he's told, you know, because a lot, because they're all true, and it's like, holy shit, that actually happened to somebody? The world can be a scary place. But I mean, like, it's like when Corpse's husband tells the story, it's like, wow, this is interesting, nice. <laughs> and I'm not trying to downplay, like, people's scary experiences, you know, I feel bad for anybody that is in the stories that went through it because knowing that it's true is just scary as hell and I wouldn't wish it on anybody and uh, I don't think I've ever even had any truly scary experiences thank god you know knock on wood sorry I have wood to knock on but yeah I wouldn't want to go through things like that so I hope that the people in those stories are now safe and sound I'm sure they are but I, I hope they're having good lives I hope whatever troubled them in the past is not troubling them anymore and that they're all safe and happy and that they've moved on I would talk about creepypastas it is Halloween month we got a few days left till Halloween I've never really been one for scary stories um creepypastas opened up a whole new world though like I'll enjoy some of them like the one creepypasta like if I had to tell you my favorite one my favorite 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 creepypasta is 1999 and it's because that story is just so incredibly intense and creative like if you have not read 1999 it's been updated lots of times and I don't know if it's been updated since like 2015 the last time it was updated and there were a lot of updates and the last time there was an update I think it was like late 2015 I don't remember how late but maybe around this time in 2015 but it is such a story like it was a story that you can't like you can't put into a movie because there's just so much I mean if anyone tries good luck but it is there's just so much to it and it's not like a typical like haunted house or a ghost story. This is like new and it's I just love how the person wrote it. Like whether it's real or not, it is just so cool to keep reading. Like it's so intriguing. Even though the person who wrote it could definitely reach the end of it at one point, I think it's one of those stories that you could still build upon even if it was real and there was nothing left to say because there's you know, it's it's really it's just really interesting. For those of you who don't know the story, may, I'll give you like a brief rundown. I don't want to give any spoilers because if you haven't read it, go listen to Creeps McPasta read it if you can find it. I think they took it down. I hope they didn't. I thought they did last time I looked for it. But if you can find it, listen to someone read 1999. It doesn't necessarily have to be Creeps McPasta. But listen to someone read it or read it for yourself. It is a very long story, so I'm just warning you, if you don't have the time to sit down and read it, then don't, but read it and get comfortable because it is very long. It's basically this guy named Elliot was five years old in the year 1999. He lived in a town in Canada and the town nearest to that town was a town called Caledon. This this is important for like what I'm about to say. Um, but the background is that this kid, you know, in 1999, the, the antenna TVs were more common back then. 
and this kid had an antenna TV and he would watch Pokemon at a certain time every night and then his dad wanted to watch the news because the news came on at that time every night. So his dad got him a TV for his room so he could watch Pokemon. But um, this TV only had like 10 channels or... No, didn't it have only 20 channels but then at a certain frequency he was able to get the channel Caledon Local 21. Right where he was, right where his house was in the area it was just close enough to the signal where he could get it on his TV. And this Caledon Local 21 channel seemed to be a kid's channel at first glance. And his dad even said, you know, at first glance it looks like a kid's channel. And he was like, alright, you can go ahead and watch it, whatever. And this kid did watch it. And he faintly remembers some of it, but there was one thing that stuck out about it. And it was that the person who made the channel, every show was recorded on like a crappy VHS camcorder back in the day. And um, keep in mind, this is 1999, so there really wasn't a lot of good quality stuff out there, unless you were, like, super rich. But anyway, all the shows were recorded on that, and he seemed to notice, but it didn't bother him because he was, like, five years old. So, I mean, obviously, it didn't really make register with him because he was just a small kid. There was a show called um, Mr. Bear's Cellar. Was it Mr. Bear's Cellar or Mr. Bear's Basement? I think it was Mr. Bear's Cellar. But it was a guy dressed in a horrible-looking bear costume, and... He would have kids come over to his cellar, and he would do things with them, like, I don't know, like, it would look normal at first glance, like, he'd tell them stories, have food with them, you know, just, it would look like normal stuff, but when the kid got older and started talking about it on the internet, a lot of people were like, oh yeah, I remember that show when I was little, and they would describe the episodes in great detail, and it would end up being, like, actually really creepy. It gets really creepy after that, but basically, it's like this whole channel was run by some wacko. And I'm not going to go any more into it. I really want to give away what happens, but it just gets kind of really sick and twisted. But in a, in a way that like captivates you, where you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that something like that could happen. But it does chill you. Like when I heard Creeps McPasta read it, I was really chilled. Like I read it on a long bus ride to a friend's house once, and I was just like captivated the whole way. And I was like, I had chills. It was really well done. It was a really well written story. I don't know if it's been updated, but if it has, someone's gotta let me know. I'll probably look that up later, but I really want, I like, I want to know more. I don't even know if there's more to know, but there probably is. Last time the person updated the story, there was a lot more that went on, but I don't remember a lot of it. I just kind of know the basics of what has happened. Um, but there's it's a lot to get into, and I don't want to give it away. But it's a really cool story. I think my second favorite would probably be... And I'm really hesitant to say this, because I'll probably think of a different one later. But I have to... And it's not even that I like the story. It's that the fact that it's stuck with me all this time. And that I remember it, and it was my very first creepypasta I'd ever read. And it was Squidward's Suicide. That one, still to this day, scares the shit out of me. And I still remember, I was like 14 years old when I heard of it, because when I started high school, I was friends with a group of kids that all was into that weird internet shit. And they told me about Creepypasta. Or actually, no. They told me about Squidward's suicide. I knew what Creepypastas were for the most part, but I didn't know Squidward's suicide was one of them. And when I read it, I was like... I wasn't alone in the house, I was in my apartment at the time, and my mom was in the kitchen doing whatever she was doing, and I was right there in the living room, and the living room was connected to the kitchen, and we had our computer in the living room at the time, and I was just reading it. 
And I'm reading it and reading it. And, you know, the more I read, the more I get, like, creeped out. Because at 14, I was a scared little bitch. <laughs> and I was just, like... I was so severely creeped out that I don't even think I actually finished the story at the time. I think I stopped around the part where he talked about... I want to say the part where the pictures of the children came up, if you guys know what I'm talking about. It was really offsetting at that point. At that point, I was so freaked out, I was like, okay, I can't read the rest of it. I didn't even read how he shot himself or anything like that. Not at that time. I think later on... I don't even know how much later on, but not that long later on. Like, I didn't wait that long. I think it might have been a couple months or so. I finally got brave and was like, let me just finish this damn story. Now I think about it, I think I had to listen to someone read it. It might have been Creeps McPasta. It might have been Mr. Creepypasta. I don't know who it was, but I think I remember hearing someone tell the story. And um, I heard the rest of it and I was like, yikes. That was really, like, it, it was scary, but it was also really sad. Because if you haven't read it, it, it is kind of a sad ending. Like, it's scary, but it's it's disturbing. The cool thing about creepypastas is that a lot of them seem like they could be true, and some of them might be, but a lot of them prove to be not true. This one, I think a lot of people have already debunked as not true. However, there are things that have come about where people are like, oh yeah, it's definitely true, but I think for the most part it is not true, which is good, because if it were, that would be really horrifying and really, really, really sad. More sad than anything, honestly. It's not a pretty story. For those of you who have read it, a person that could have done that would have been really, truly f up in the head. I think it's also physically impossible for someone to have been able to do something like that so quickly because remember how in the story it said that the timestamp on the episode was from like literally a minute before or something like that that they actually put it on the um whatever they were watching it on like it had a timestamp and the timestamp was like maybe a couple minutes before they even started or something and they were like, oh, there's no way, like, we just barely got this tape, and they would have had to have given it us, like, literally a, a minute ago for us to have seen this timestamp and have it be edited this way, like, that's what was so weird about it, and I think that'd be physically impossible for someone to do that, unless they fucked with the timestamp, which, then again, people do weird shit all the time. There was a... It's not necessarily a creepypasta, but it kind of is. Actually, no, it's more of an urban legend, because I think before creepypastas existed, this urban legend circulated because I remember it started in, like, the 80s, I heard, when VHSs came out. But have you guys heard of the Hanging Munchkin in The Wizard of Oz? I was in college when I heard about this, and I was in a class with a couple other people, and one girl talked about it, and I don't remember how it came up. I just kind of remember joining in this conversation about the Hanging Munchkin conspiracy, and basically, for those of you that don't know, the old, the classic movie Wizard of Oz, Google it if you don't know what it is, but it was a movie made back in 1939, so it's a very old movie, and one of the first movies of its kind, where it featured color and black and white. Apparently, there were two versions of this movie released, not released at first, like when it first came out, because back in 1939, Movies were not released on like DVD or VHS. They were shown in theaters for like a select amount of time and then they were gone forever. Well, not necessarily because obviously now we put them on VHS and now they're on Blu-ray and you can download them digitally and watch them. So they're still there. 
but back in the day you either had to see a movie in theaters or you didn't see it at all. When the 80s rolled around and The Wizard of Oz came to VHS, this is where it gets tricky. Apparently somebody or something out there created this little error in the movie and it has been debunked that this was a, a that someone edited this in and that the real version is the version that everybody saw in theaters which was a bird. But anyway, I'll get to that in a second. There's a part in the movie where Dorothy, the Tin Man, and the Scarecrow... I think the lion might have been there, I don't remember, it doesn't matter, but there's a part where they're walking through the woods right after they saw the witch. In the background, or... yeah, kind of in the background, but like, they're walking. Okay, so like, imagine... imagine like, there's trees here and here, and there's like, grass, and then there's like, a yellow brick road, and they're walking on the yellow brick road, okay? And then you see the trees. In one of the trees, there's an image of, like, what looks to be someone hanging from one of the trees. Like, actually hanging from a noose. But it's just a silhouette, so you don't, like, see anything. You don't, like, see any blood or gore or anything like that. You don't even see the person's face or even really their body. It's just, like, a little silhouette, right? That version was edited by someone out there. It's still a mystery to this day, but apparently a couple of... I don't even know how many, but I guess there are people with VHS's with that edited in there, and that's why people thought it was real and nobody really caught on to it, but someone obviously did around, along the lines because it was heard of and now it's like this conspiracy. When you really look at it, and I looked at it, I looked at both the clips and I'm like, you can definitely tell it's edited because the original version is, it's a bird. It's a silhouette of a bird in between the trees. And it's a really tall bird too. It could be a flamingo. I don't know what kind of bird it is, but it's a bird with wings and it stretches his wings out. And when you see the edited version with the hanging munchkin or whatever, it's supposed, it, it, you can kind of see how someone masked over the bird. Like if you know how to do editing in After Effects, you mask something. You can kind of see the edges of the bird's wings stick out of where the mask is. And that's how I was kind of able to tell, oh yeah, that's edited. Like, if it were real, it, you wouldn't see the bird's wings kind of sticking out where the mask is. So that's how you can tell it's edited. I mean, even the people who made The Wizard of Oz could have debunked that, but I think by the time this conspiracy came out, a lot of the people who made the movie had passed away already. And to be completely honest, I don't think anyone who was in the movie is alive today. I think everybody in that movie has officially passed away. If I'm wrong, then I apologize. But as far as I remember, there is nobody alive that made the movie. And I'm sorry if I keep looking that way. My window is kind of open, so give me one sec. I'm gonna close it properly. Alright, my bad. It was just one of the blinds. It was just bothering me. But anyway, that was really creepy because when I first saw the edited footage of what looked like the hanging munchkin, I believed it for a moment. And then we were all like, holy shit, like we never noticed that. And you know, I watched that movie as a child and I never really gave any thought to anything I saw other than the colors and all the stuff happening. And then I didn't see the movie again till I was a teenager, but I never caught on to something like that. And I honestly doubt that that version made it to like, like I would see the movie on TV and I doubt that that version made it to TV. When I first saw that, I'm like either you either we didn't pay a lot of attention or someone edited that and it could be both because you know what I didn't really give any attention to the background I didn't even give attention to the bird until this conspiracy theory was pointed out to me 
And then I was like, oh, you know, I never even knew there was something there. Like, I never paid attention. I was just watching them skip and sing down the Mary, the, the, I was going to say something else, the Yellow Brick Road, you know, and you really have to have an eye for this kind of thing. Like, if you're an editor or a special effects artist, you can definitely tell. Like, once you look at it, like, if you looked at the edited version where it shows the hanging munchkin, you can definitely see that there's a mask there that someone very poorly edited. And, you know, you have to have a very keen eye, too, because you can kind of see. It's very, very hard to notice. Like, I just have really good vision, so I can see it because you can just barely see the wings poking out. If you really look at it, you can see the wings poking out of the mask. It'll be like the tip though, like just the very tip of each wing. And that's how I noticed it. And I was like, oh yeah, that's masked over. That's not even real. Definitely the real version is the bird. And then, you know, when you really think about it, I don't think something like that would have ever aired in a public movie theater ever if something like that was in the background. I'm pretty sure, even in 1939, that people would have taken note of that. As far as I know, like if you look up the history of The Wizard of Oz, there's been a lot of stuff written on that movie. And nobody ever talked about, like, someone dying on set or anything like that happening. Now, you'll hear, like, creepy rumors about it, but they're just rumors. Like, people want to make scary stuff or weird stuff out of anything because it's an old movie. And it's easier to do now because all the people have passed away and they're not alive to debunk anything or say, oh, yeah, this happened or this didn't happen. But of the, of the things that have been talked about and confirmed about the movie, it's definitely not a movie where anything horrendous like that happened in the background. Could there have been problems with some of the actors where they just kind of, I don't know, were like divas? Sure. I mean, it was still Hollywood at the time. I don't know if Hollywood really had any divas, but who knows? I mean, this was the very beginning of Hollywood, so who knows what the hell happened? I mean, we learn, nowadays we've learned a lot of dirty secrets of Hollywood where people were really big assholes to each other, or really just sexist or misogynist, and we learn all kinds of stuff that happened back in the day. But I don't think anything like that, to that extent where someone hung themselves on set happened, and I really do think someone would have caught that. Like, there's just no way you can hide something like that and it wouldn't be seen. That's just my take on it. That was a really creepy one, though. I had to do my own research. I didn't even notice the masking at first. I took it for what it was. Like I said, it really isn't that noticeable at first unless you really look at it. Now that I've pointed out to all you visual effects people or editors that know how to work After Effects, once you, like, look at it, you'll be like, oh yeah, now I see it. But if you if I didn't say that, it wasn't really easy for me to see at first either. But all I know is one day I looked at it and I'm like, oh yeah, you can definitely tell there's a masking over it and that there's bird's wings poking out. They didn't mask it properly, so it's definitely fake. And it was just, I shouldn't say poorly edited, because if you really didn't look right, you can, you can kind of see how it looks real. But when you really look at it, you're like, oh yeah, it's masked. Um, sorry, I keep repeating myself, but I find it incredible that people go to lengths to do things like that, to make things look scary or look real and make you think that something happened when nothing really did happen. Um, that being said, I'm trying to find something else interesting to talk about. I've talked about creepy stuff, hopefully appropriate for a Halloween episode. I mean, Corpse Husband, I think, is definitely Halloween-worthy. I think this is the perfect month to have discovered him, too, like, couldn't have been more perfect. He narrates scary stories, and Halloween, like, like, October is Halloween month. It is the month for scary shit, so if you are still trying to find new things to do for Halloween month, go watch Corpse Husband and watch all his scary narrative stories. They are... his voice is really interesting to listen to, and the stories he tells, because they're all true, they're really intriguing, but don't get too scared, because I'm, I'm telling you, some of them are really f scary, and 
I think I stopped listening to a couple of them because I, I do get to a point where I'm like, okay, I've had enough. Um, and I think it's safe to say that. But I have come a long way. For those of you who get scared really easily, um, maybe I can help you out with that. And, and you know what? I'm not saying it's a weakness to be scared easily because it's not, but it can be. Because fear can ignite hate. Fear ignites hate. And we fear what we don't understand. And normally, misunderstandings lead to a bunch of unnecessary drama and bullshit that nobody needs to go through. I do believe that if you are scared of something, if you start to understand it better, you become less scared of it. And that's not always the case. I know that phobias are real and that people can be irrationally scared of something and they can't help it. We all have irrational fears. Um, I know I do, I just can't think of them right now, but there's a lot of weird fears that people just can't get over and it's understandable and I try because understanding the fears that I've had over the years has... and I'm still trying to understand fear because there's some people who love it and you know, I used to think I was a total f***ing scaredy cat when I was younger and I kinda was, but I can still be a scaredy cat, like I still won't go into haunted houses. I've been through a couple of them because I wanted to try and prove to myself that I could handle it, but no matter what I did, I just didn't enjoy it. I did not enjoy the experience. I was always scared. I was always on my toes and I was really uncomfortable. And I think that if you're a person who doesn't genuinely enjoy haunted houses, then I think it should be more than acceptable to tell people. For one, I do encourage people to try it, but for friends of those who are easily scared that have admitted they don't like haunted houses and they've never been in one, please don't put them through like the scariest haunted house. Like in your state, if you have a list of top 10 scary haunted houses, do not take them to one of the top five. I wouldn't even take them to one of the top 10. Like I don't think that's very kind because a person's first haunted house experience I think should be something that's kind of like PG. Like it could be for anyone. Like a five-year-old could go through it or a 55-year-old could go through it and they'd still all have an equal chance of getting scared but not to the point where it like harms them. Because I know there's haunted houses where if you're not if you're not mentally okay with being scared at random, it can really mess you up. And I'm talking about like haunted houses where there's parts where you get left alone and you kind of have to fend for yourself. Do not put a person who's easily scared through something like that because that will really horrify them. And I'm not saying it's going to traumatize them. It could, and I would not want to be responsible for someone for that happening because that would just make me feel bad and that is a horrible experience. Once I found out that that specific haunted house was something that would do that, I immediately backed out and I was like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You know, I tried two other haunted houses with you and I'm done. I can't. I didn't feel comfortable in either one of them, but I gave them a good college try because I wanted to. My experience with haunted houses goes like this. I went to Universal Studios a couple times through my life and when I was 17 on my senior band trip I was encouraged to do the House of Horrors in Universal Studios and that one was my very first haunted house ever and I think that's acceptable. Like for that being my first haunted house from what I remember it really wasn't that bad but it was my first experience, so you know, your first experience in a haunted house, if you don't really care for them or never been in one, it is going to be a little awkward. But the best thing you 
you can do is just go through it. Because no matter what, you have to keep going. Like, if you stop in the middle of it just because you're too scared, you're basically just going to be stuck in hell the whole time. So you either are going to remove yourself from what's scaring you and keep going, or you're just going to be stuck there being miserable. So the best thing to do is to just keep going. Just keep going. Even if the actors are all up in your face, keep going. You've got to get to the other house or else you're going to hold up the line and then someone's gonna have to embarrass you further and come get you or something, which I think would be even worse than just screaming and then moving forward. That being said, don't be afraid to scream. It is scary. It is supposed to make you scream. And as much as I hate looking like a wimp, because I used to be made fun of for being a scaredy cat. I used to not like scary movies and I had friends who would watch scary movies all the time when I'd go to their house and I would be horrified of the movies I'd see, and they would make fun of me for it. So that caused me to not want to show fear in front of other people over things like that, that are obviously not real. But for some reason, haunted houses are that one thing I can't really get a hold of. And I've tried them. I tried that one. I made it through, obviously. I survived. I'm here. This was six years ago that I did that, and I'm still here. I didn't like it, though. It wasn't a bad experience. But I didn't like it, and if that's your first haunted house, then good, because that one's, I think, acceptable. All you do is walk through and look at scary props from scary movies made in Universal Studios, and then there's people that jump out at you. But it's really not that bad, you know, nobody's chasing you, nobody's holding a chainsaw to you, making it look like they're gonna kill you. That's a little more extreme. So if you've ever been to Fright Dome in Vegas, during October, the entire month of October, they do Fright Dome. And that's at the Adventure Dome at Circus Circus, where at night, at a certain time at night, they'll shut down the Adventure Dome, turn it into like a haunted house central place. And you could still ride the rides, but there's like scary actors all over the place. And then there's haunted houses you can go to. And, and it's like the most famous attraction in, in October in Vegas. Everybody goes to Fright Dome. I was not one of those people growing up. I didn't go to Fright Dome at all, except for one time when I was 20 years old. And I won't lie, I really, I wanted to go only because people I knew were going and I was invited. I was very conflicted and this is my fault, so if those of you who remember this experience, I don't talk to them anymore by the way, but if they do see this somehow and they remember this experience, you know, I do apologize that I put you guys through it. I still regret it. And uh, yes, I know that if I was going to be such a little bitch baby, I should have just stayed home, but part of me felt like I should at least give it a try. And I did but I sucked at it because it was the year that Five Nights at Freddy's was the theme and me being a Markiplier fan and seeing how he played Five Nights at Freddy's I was like okay I gotta I gotta do it for Markiplier because I was so intrigued we were all Five Nights at Freddy's fans at the time so I decided I gotta do it I, I've gotta see what they did with the with the attractions so I went and the first haunted house I did, which was the only haunted house I legally agreed to. I told them all, everyone in my group, I'm like, I'm only doing this haunted house and that is it. I will ride rides. I don't care what you guys do. I will ride rides. I just want to do this one haunted house and that's it. I'm done. And I regretted that because I thought someone from the group was going to stay with me and ride rides with me, but nobody did. So I ended up riding rides alone and I looked like an idiot and felt like an idiot. So I went to one more haunted house with them after that. And I did not like it, um, but that was my fault. I shouldn't have insisted, but I did. I, I am proud of myself, though, for going to the Five Nights at Freddy's one because the Five Nights at Freddy's haunted house was 
pretty damn good. It scared the f*** out of me, but I was on it though. Like, I was watching every single corner. I was always on alert. You know, if something looked like it was following us, I would speed up and be like, oh hell no, I'm not gonna be stuck behind. And in that particular haunted house, there was a moment where you could have been stuck behind. Like, there's a moment where, like, there's all these flashing lights, and then there's, like, kind of these, like, streaming, flowing... I don't know what to call them, but it looked like little long streamers kind of flowing down from the roof. And you would walk through them, but the guide that was taking you through would kind of disappear into them and you had to keep up with him so fast and thank god me and my friends were in the front of the line so I held on to my friend's jacket and we just booked it like everywhere we saw this guy go we would follow him because I was like I'm not getting left behind let's go let's go follow him if you see him go where he goes I don't want to be left behind so we did that and it's that was the scariest part that was the part that really made me feel the adrenaline like okay we gotta get out of here let's not be left behind and uh, we made it through so that ended up being a really good experience. I was proud of myself at the end of it. But yeah, it was it was pretty scary. So, and I, I wasn't shy about it either. Once I did that though, and I did that other haunted house, if for those of you who are avid Fright Dome fans, you might know, I don't know if they keep the haunted houses the same every year, but the specific haunted house I went to after that one was a Mad Max one. And I didn't like it at all. I was way too uncomfortable because it was very narrow, like the pathway you go through was very narrow, and I can be a little claustrophobic sometimes, only sometimes in certain situations where like narrow hallways freak me out. Um, and there was like narrow, there were spots where the hall was kind of narrow, and then there was one part where this girl got really close to me and breathed on me, and I know she was just an actress, and I know that was kind of her job was to make you scared and uncomfortable, but I did not enjoy that. And when that happened, I was just like, okay, I want out of this house now. I don't want to go in here anymore. And after that, I was finally done. I really just didn't want to be alone. So I like swallowed going through this one. And I mean, I made it, but I didn't enjoy it. And I felt really bad. I felt like a moron after getting out of there and telling them how uncomfortable it made me. And, you know, I guess I just wanted to, I don't know what I wanted to accomplish with that. Um... But after that happened, it made me come to terms with the fact that, you know, some fears are just going to be there. And while I am totally aware that haunted houses aren't real, what really scares me is I don't, I get startled easily. I don't like, even when I anticipate it, I don't like people jumping out at me without me knowing. I don't like random people getting up in my face and getting close to me when I don't know who they are. You know, it just, it's very uncomfortable for me, and that's what I don't enjoy about haunted houses. I'm not really good at taking surprises unless they're happy surprises, but if it's just something that startles me, I don't really enjoy that. I don't, and I think that's okay to admit. And once you figure out that that might be why you don't like scary things or haunted houses, I think that's a very acceptable reason to not want to go in them. But I do think everybody, well not everybody, but if you want to give it a try, just to say you've done it, just to see, just to conquer your fear, just so you know what to expect, do at least one in your life. And I mean literally, in your entire life, however long your life is going to be, just do it once. But, you know, go to one that's like more fun than it is meant to be scary. 
So like if you want to go to like Not Scary Farm, a lot of people go to Fright Dome because they love it and it's fun. And you know what? It can be very fun, but you know, it's scary no matter where you go. It's meant to be scary. So if you don't want something that's going to constantly put you on edge, then don't go to Fright Dome. Don't go to a, a, a theme park where if it's a Halloween theme at night and you know that they're just going to scare you all night no matter where you go, if you're not safe anywhere technically, then don't go to those. Go to one where it's just a one-time thing. You go in, you go through it, you come out, and that's it. I would recommend doing one of those. Keep it simple. To those of you who are friends of people who are easily scared that you want to take to a haunted house, please make it simple. Don't put them in like a maze one because that's just going to overwhelm them on top of being scared. And I don't think, you know, being scared and then overwhelmed at the same time is not good. And that's not going to make for a good first impression on haunted houses. If you want to go through a haunted house, put them through like an actual haunted house. Meaning like one like I just described. Like the House of Horrors is I think a good first haunted house experience. Or even like if there's one in your neighborhood, like maybe there's a neighbor in your neighborhood that makes a really good one every year. Usually neighborhood haunted houses can be pretty well done, but also simple enough where they're not like making you shit your pants. And if they do, then cool, but like how scary or like really dangerously like heart palpitating creative haunted houses do you find in a neighborhood? Like, you can only do so much. I mean, if, I mean, I don't know. I've never really been to a neighborhood where I've seen a haunted house be like so fucking scary that people are coming out of there crying going, oh my god, I never want to go in again, oh my god, oh my god. Like, I've never seen that. So, maybe that's a good first experience with a haunted house. Because I've heard of haunted houses being really wild. Like, there's been haunted houses where someone I used to know told me that there was a haunted house, I don't remember if it was in Vegas or not, but there was a haunted house that this person went to, I think it was called Hell's Gates or something like that, and I guess there's a part in there where they have like these electric fences or chains or something like that that dangle from the ceiling and they're electric and if you touch them they shock you but you have to go through like this room where it's full of them and it's and you have to go through it like you can't go around it you can't not touch the electric parts of it you will get shocked and I think that's horrible I mean obviously the shocks aren't like bad but you know nobody likes getting electrically shocked it's not a good feeling and you know, usually it's like when you get shocked, you get shocked like once and then it's like, done. But to be constantly shocked for like a certain amount of time while you're trying to get through a room? I don't like that. That sounds a little inhumane to me. I mean, some people like that thrill, but I personally wouldn't. And I wouldn't take someone to a haunted house as their first haunted house experience to something like that. I would not put someone through that that is easily scared or just it's their first time going through a haunted house, I wouldn't. Now, if the person who's first going through a haunted house expresses that they don't care what it is and they don't care how scary, if they're like totally thrill-seeking, like, oh yeah, the scarier the better, then f it, get creative and take them to something really out there. But I really wouldn't recommend anything like that extreme, like the Hell's Gates. I don't even know if that's actually what it's called, but something like that where there's like actual physical harm involved or even a little bit of psychological because some haunted houses put like a psychological aspect into it I wouldn't recommend that for someone's first time either 
like I said, unless they really were like, oh yeah, the scarier the better, or whatever. Or even haunted houses where you have to sign a waiver. Those, I don't think, are very good first experiences, especially for someone who's easily scared. Like, if you have to sign a waiver to go in, and you're trying to get someone who's easily scared to go in, that would absolutely turn them away from it. Like, no, they would not want to go through that. I wouldn't. I think everyone has a right to say that. Because it's only fun if, I mean, if you're gonna get scared, get scared, but not too scared to where you're like crying. I think it's more fun if you're like scared and you scream, but then you laugh it off. Like, put them through an experience like that. I think that'll be more of a good experience of a haunted house. If they're like scared to the point where they're hurting or crying or just frozen because they're so scared by what's happening that they're crippled in fear and they don't want to walk anymore. I don't think that's a very good experience. So anyway, that being said, Halloween's fun, isn't it? <laughs> and anyway, I was gonna go into like how I didn't get so easily scared anymore. I guess it more goes along with like scary stories and scary movies. I conquered my fear of that I think when I was like 15 and I watched all of the Friday the 13th movies that were out at the time. This was like 2012 because there was a Friday the 13th in 2012 and it was like in July or something like that. It was during the summer and I was at my sister's house and my niece is like a total Jason Voorhees fan so she like got up that morning, put on her Jason Voorhees jersey and sat us all in front of the TV and made us watch every single Friday the 13th movie because they had a marathon that day on some channel and I watched all of them and I do mean I, I guess all of them I mean I just remember for hours at a time I was sitting there just watching them and I'm like okay I don't want to look like a scaredy cat in front of my niece so let me just let me just go through this and see what happens and at first I was a little scared but then after a while when you watch all of the Friday the 13th movies or at least the ones made back in the 80s they're all kind of the exact same after a while and that's what I started to notice. And then after a while, it was like, wow, it's not even like scary anymore. It's just kind of stressful because you're watching these people run away from the same guy everybody else in the movies has been running away from. And it's always the exact same. They'll be at the camp, one of them or two of them or the couples or whatever, go out at night and they'll do whatever they're going to do. And they'll be where they're not supposed to be, and then Jason will suddenly pop up, and then they'll suddenly start running, and something stupid will happen. And it was always something stupid. They trip, or, well, mainly they just trip. But I just was like, this is dumb. Like, the same thing happens, and, you know, you'd think these people would learn, but no, they gotta keep that money rolling in somehow by making these movies. So when I learned that it was just the same thing, it kind of got me thinking like, okay, well, what what is actually scary about this? Like, for one, we already know it's not real. And then two, it's got the essential horror movie factors in it, like you know, killer that wants to kill you, the suspense of not knowing where he's going to be at any given moment in time, and not being able to figure out how to get rid of him or how to avoid him, but just knowing that you might encounter him and that if you do encounter him, you've got to fight for your life or else he's going to kill you. That's the stressful part. So it's not... I've figured out that a lot of these movies are not necessarily scary, they're just stressful. And when you learn the difference and when you really study that, you're like, oh, well then now I don't have to be scared anymore. And that's how you take the scary out of it. If it's stressing you out, I, apparently stress and fear kind of like, I don't want to say they go hand in hand, 
But when, when you're invested in something, like when you're really into a movie or into a story or whatever, your brain, I don't think, can really tell the difference between being scared and being stressed out. Because if you're overwhelmed with a lot of stress over trying to get away from something or a stressful situation, it does kind of get your adrenaline pumping and you're just like, oh man, I'm out of breath, I, I, gotta, I gotta get out of here, I gotta figure this out, I gotta figure out how to eliminate this problem. And then suddenly you like have all these heightened senses like you're scared. So I think that's kind of what movies like that do. Or at least the good scary movies kind of add that level of stress where you're like, come on, just just run that way, he won't find you there, or just hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, get there, get close the door, close the door, lock it, lock it, lock it, quickly, quickly. Or shoot him, shoot him again, shoot him twice, make sure he's dead. Don't just don't just walk over to him, shoot him again. You know, all that stress. That's what makes a good scary environment or scary movie is the stress that it puts you through. So, I think I've been talking long enough and my battery is about to die. So, I hope that tip helped you out. And I do also want to say this. If you are still easily scared, I think just start off slow, read some creepypastas and keep reminding yourself that they're not real and if it really helps, research them. Because I think what really scares us the most, again, is not understanding them fully, not knowing much about the topic or even knowing if it's real or not. And I think the fear mainly comes from not knowing if it's real or not knowing what it is that's scaring you or stressing you out. So when you analyze a situation, whether it's a haunted house, a scary story or a scary movie, and you kind of strip it down to its bare core, you start to figure out and see what it is at its core and you're like, oh, okay, so now it's not really that scary. Like, I can see why it's scary at the surface, but when you strip it down to its core, you realize that there's like one factor and it's either you didn't understand it fully, you didn't know what it was causing or what it was doing or what, you know, you just, when you don't know a lot about something, that's what scares you. It's like when you're, I'm sorry if this is a bad example, but like when you go to the doctor and you have like this disease or something that's wrong with you that you just, you're scared because you don't know what it is and you wonder if you might die or have something bad happen to you for it, from it. And you know, the, the, what's the worst part that scares you? When you figure it out, it's, it's that you didn't know that scares you because you're thinking like, what if it's cancer or what if it's something bad like diabetes or well diabetes isn't bad but you know if you have never dealt with it you probably would be scared of it but something like you know or what if I have coronavirus or what if I have uh, Lyme disease you know just something that could you know not knowing what it is and having all these what-ifs it could be this it could be that it could be something that could kill me it could be something harmless not knowing is what scares you so it's more of the ambiguity that arises the fear so I think when you are scared of something just look at it matter-of-factly and kind of analyze what it is, study it, and then when you see it for what it is, you start to understand it better. And then you understand why it looks scary, and when you understand why it appears scary and what was actually scary about it, you start to separate the fear from what it is, and then you go, oh, okay, so now that I understand why it was supposed to scare me, now it doesn't scare me anymore. And I don't want to say that to, like, ruin people's thrill-seeking because if you really do enjoy being scared, because some people do like it, if you like it, then then by all means, just have fun with it and let yourself be scared. Don't think too much about it. But if you are a person who's easily scared, that would be my advice to you as to not being so scared 
of things and I think the more you expose yourself to scary things like I dived right into creepypastas when I was a little bit younger that's what helped me kind of overcome being such a scaredy cat like you're still gonna be scared you know what fear is a normal human emotion so don't be off-put by the fact that you might still be scared of certain things just accept it and if you're still scared it's okay because fear is normal and you nobody's ever not going to be scared of anything anybody who says they're not scared of anything is lying because it doesn't have to be something like a ghost or a monster or death or something that obviously is meant to scare people or could obviously be a scary thing to someone you could be scared of anything and it is totally okay you know it is absolutely 100% okay to be afraid of something and if you really are afraid of nothing I would go see a doctor because I've read that that's actually not normal or you're lying to convey like a machismo kind of appearance but you can't hide from what you're scared of because eventually we all do have to face our fears so now that it's Halloween month feel free to take what I said into consideration watch Corpse Husband subscribe to him if you like his stuff watch Hocus Pocus that's not scary but it's a wonderful Halloween movie I love that movie or watch really scary stuff read some creepy pastas go all out have fun be spooky I hope you guys liked my very first podcast I'm sorry if it is a little long I'll edit out but um I do enjoy talking about things so let me know in the comments if there's any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the next podcast or maybe if I come up with something I'll have a topic to discuss and maybe try to incorporate any of your suggestions into the next podcasts so thank you for listening or watching and um, I'll see you guys next time and thanks for just thanks for being here I hope you enjoyed it so have a good night